From the Harvard John A. Paulson School of Engineering and Applied Sciences, I'm Leah Burrows, and this is Science at Harvard Seas. Each episode, I sit down with one of our researchers and we talk about the title of a recent paper. The idea is, if you can get past the jargon and actually understand the title of a scientific paper, the science underneath gets a lot less intimidating and a lot more fun. So we're going to get to the title of this paper in a minute, but first we have to talk about a footnote. This footnote was in a legislative summary in the most recent report from the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change, the IPCC for short. Essentially, this footnote said that the IPCC couldn't offer a best estimate for how much the Earth was going to warm in response to a doubling of CO2 because there were conflicting estimates in different studies. Footnote 16 says no best estimate for equilibrium climate sensitivity can now be given because of a lack of agreement on values across assessed lines of evidence and studies. That's Peter Hybers, professor of Earth and Planetary Sciences and of Environmental Science and Engineering at SEAS. Arguably, this is the most basic number about what climate change is going to do to the Earth um, and for the IPCC to punt and basically say, um, we don't know uh, because we have conflicting estimates. Um, seems like a big deal. Since the 1970s, the range of temperature increase due to a doubling of CO2 in the atmosphere has remained pretty consistent, usually between 1.5 to 4.5 degrees Celsius, with a best estimate between 3 and 3.5 degrees. More recent estimates have given an even higher range, from 2 on up to 4, even 5 degrees Celsius. But between the last two IPCC reports, a growing body of research began to challenge that range. This research used observational measurements, measurements of warming patterns taken over time and projected into the future. These projections estimated a significantly lower degree of warming, only about one to two degrees Celsius. The difference between a two degree warming, which is what the observations say, and the 3.5 degree warming is pretty large in terms of societal impacts. My name is Christian Proistosescu, and I'm a postdoctoral research associate at the University of Washington. I completed my PhD in earth sciences at Harvard University, working with Professor Peter Hybers. So Christy and Peter wrote a paper out this week in Science Advances that explains this discrepancy. They found that the historical measurements aren't wrong, they're just not seeing the whole picture. So let's dive into the title. Hi. Hey, Christy. So you and Peter Hybers have a paper out in Science Advances this week. And the title of this paper is Slow Climate Mode Reconciles Historical and Observation-Based Estimates of Climate Sensitivity. Now, what I love about this title is that while I understand all of the words separately, I don't understand what they mean together. We try to make the, to keep the jargon at the minimum, mm -hmm. um, but there is always a risk. So let's start then with the most jargony word in this title, climate sensitivity. What is climate sensitivity? Climate sensitivity is probably the most important metric we have for how much the Earth is going to warm in response to carbon dioxide. So why not just say global warming? 
I think it's because it implies a sensitivity to uh, something, to a certain forcing. They didn't want to give, they didn't want to say just global warming because how much warming is going to be depends on how much carbon dioxide we put in the atmosphere. So sensitivity um, refers to the fact that the warming is sensitive to carbon dioxide. It's a, it's a ratio. Okay, so then you have these two ways of measuring that increase in temperature in response to CO2. You have the historical and the model-based observations. What's the difference between those two estimates? The way that the estimates are done is fundamentally different. For the observations, what you do is you compute the trends uh, in temperature, uh, radiative forcing associated with greenhouse gases and aerosols, uh, and the amount of heat going into the ocean that you've observed, and then you extrapolate that into the future. Uh, and what we see is that historical warming is much less than what the models say. Uh, given the amount of CO2 we've already put in and the, given the amount of warming that we'd, we would observe, then if you extrapolate, you would only expect about one and a half to two degrees warming for a doubling of CO2. And these are based on historical measurements. So how far back in history do does this record go? Oh, that's a very good question. Um, the timeline that uh, we're using here, which is in some sense the standard within the literature, is that historical means since about 1850. Uh, that's uh, when we both start getting decent observations uh, of things like changes in the Earth's temperature. Uh, and it's also very soon after the Industrial Revolution, so the Earth hasn't had time to change, so we can still kind of think of 1850 as being very close to the natural state of the Earth before the influence of humans. Okay, so now what about the computer models? How do those work? With numerical models, because you can run them for as long as you want, what you do is you put in carbon dioxide in a model and then you run it until it equilibrates, more or less, until the temperature stops changing. Mm -hmm. So we put our best understanding uh, of the physics inside a computer model. We made a projection into the future and we estimated climate sensitivity. Uh, and the range on it was two to four and a half degrees. Okay, so I think that brings us to slow mode, really the, the heart of this research. Let's just start with the word mode. What does mode mean in this context? A mode of warming uh, can have a very specific mathematical definition, but it can be easily understood as a pattern of warming. So, for example, uh, the historical pattern of warming, what we've seen so far, is that most of the warming has occurred over land, and in particular over the uh, over the northern hemisphere, and we uh, we call this a mode, and in particular we call this a fast mode of response. So you you put CO2 in the atmosphere, and very quickly after that, uh, the land in the northern hemisphere is going to warm. 
The problem is there are slow modes of warming. There are these patterns of warming that take a long time to realize. You've put in CO2 in the atmosphere, you trap a lot more heat, but that heat goes into the deep ocean, which is large and cold and full of water, which is important because water has a very high heat capacity. It means it takes a lot of energy to heat up water. So because of this buffering effect, it takes a long time for this pattern to realize. And this is what is called a slow mode of response. Okay, so what happens in this slow mode? What happens, all what all the models say happens is, once you've warmed up the ocean, you start reducing the amount of clouds over the ocean. In particular, you start reducing the amount of low clouds over the ocean. If you've ever taken a, a transatlantic flight and peered out the window, oftentimes you will see this, uh, this ceiling of low clouds. And once this uh, low cloud ceiling disappears, what's going to happen is you're going to replace a reflecting white cloud ceiling with uh, dark ocean waters. So you're going to be absorbing a lot more sun sunlight. This is what is called a positive feedback, which amplifies the amount of warming. So therein lies the, the heart of the problem. Most of the historical warming that we have observed uh, has occurred along this fast mode. So it has occurred in this pattern of northern hem of preferential warming in the northern hemisphere and over land. But all the models suggest that there is a slow mode. Uh, there is this pattern of warming that takes a long time to realize, but that comes with these feedbacks that are going to amplify uh, the amount of warming. And that idea of a slow mode isn't new in climate research, but you guys were really the first to uh, decouple these different modes inside the model to show where different patterns of warming are coming from, right? Yes. So we decomposed the we decomposed the warming in the models into these modes, into the northern hemisphere land, the global and the southern ocean mode. And then we asked within the models, what happens when you apply to the models the historical CO2 curve? And we find that indeed the models suggest that all of that most of the warming is going to be focused on the northern hemisphere land and that the climate sensitivity you would infer by analyzing this data set is consistent with the observations. We essentially created uh, some synthetic historical observations in order to be able to compare apples to apples to mm -hmm. say, well, fast mode in the observations is the same as the fast mode in the models, but the presence of a slow mode, the presence of a slow mode in the models explains why there is a discrepancy. Hmm. You know, I feel like this research really highlights the 
incredibly valuable, but also at times tumultuous relationship between observations and models. It's kind of like medicine in some sense. Say you have a population of people that have started smoking and you start seeing some health effects. You start seeing um, decreasing cardiovascular capacity. You start seeing shortness of breath. And all of those are scary. But then you look at your model, which for biology is usually the, the mouse or the lab rat, uh, where you can observe it through its entire life cycle much quicker and you see that they're all developing cancer. You haven't really observed that in the human population in this thought experiment because it's only been had they've only been smoking for a very short time but you see it in your model organism and that scares you because it says that there's potentially much worse things happening in the long term at the same time, you don't know exactly how good of an analogy your lab rat is to a human being. So there's some uncertainties there that are going to stay with you until you've actually observed these effects. Of course, you don't want to wait until you've observed these effects to constrain them. So this slow mode, this warming over the over the southern oceans and the deep oceans and the east tropical Pacific, we know that it has to be there because we trust the physics that we've put in. But because we haven't really observed it, we don't know how strong it's going to be. Uh, that's something that's going to be much harder to, much harder to evaluate. So if you were going to rewrite this title in everyday English, how would you write it? Oh, I'm gonna need uh, I'm gonna need ten seconds to think about that. <laughs> Definitely. Uh, account accounting for the slow mode, or accounting for the pattern of long-term warming, reconciles estimates of climate sensitivity from models and observations. Hmm. I like that. Well, thank you so much. This has been um, really helpful, and, and uh, uh, I appreciate you taking the time to speak with me. No, it's my pleasure.